I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. G'day and welcome to Ausbiz. This is The Call, 10 stocks picked by you, two experts, one hour. It is Thursday, January the 6th. I'm Andrew Gagan. Great that you can join us. Our two experts on the show today, Chris Conway from Marcus Today and Mark Gardner from Macro Capital. Welcome to you both. Uh, interested to get your viewers just where we're at as far as the local market is concerned. Uh, Chris, of course, we saw a big sell-off on Wall Street, all about the concerns about where that cash rate is going to go this year. Where's it going to go locally this year, do you think, and how that's going to impact the market? Yeah, well, undoubtedly inflation is the story, Andrew, and the RBA has been uh, quite uh, quite firm in saying that they won't raise rates uh, this year. But again, it will depend on how uh, inflation plays out. You know, we've got, we've got a uh, global economic growth. Uh, we've got record low rates in a lot of countries, and we've got record stimulus in a lot of countries as well. Uh, so, you know, prices can really only go one way. It's just a matter of how fast. Uh, and the Fed overnight obviously saying that they're concerned that it's going too fast. So uh, that might translate into Australia. We'll see how we go. But inflation is undoubtedly the story that we're all going to be talking about. You know, if, if people at home are sick of hearing us talking about it, unfortunately, they've probably got another 12 months of it ahead. <laughs> yeah, or also, or they're also going to face it at the shops too when they're trying to buy things. Uh, Mark, what's, what's your view then? And do you think it is um, just as much of a risk here as it is in the States? Uh, look, it usually does fold out to, you know, uh, filter out from the US. Um, overall, yeah, I think inflation is going to be a problem. Um, we might see it subdue slightly um, as the supply chain issues uh, improve uh, and the shipping costs start to come down a little bit. I think... Um, it probably won't be enough to completely dampen it. But, uh, yeah, look, I, I think um, we are in for, for definitely we're in for higher prices. And, um, you know, as the anecdotal evidence was that a lot of people saved a lot of money being in lockdowns, et cetera, as well. So um, a demand's going to just is going to uplift. So um, it'll be a re- it'll be a pretty interesting year to see um, to see where, where all the money gets spent. All right. Well, guys, let's get straight into it with our stock of the day. And we're looking at digital payments company Latitude off the news today. It has lobbed a $335 million takeover bid for Hums consumer business, including its buy now, pay later and credit card offerings. Now, Latitude's saying it will pay $35 million in cash, 150 million shares for the unit as it looks to accelerate its BNPL strategy. The proposal is still subject to due diligence from both parties, as well as regulatory and shareholder approval. So... What do our experts think of the deal? Mark? Uh, look, you know, the market seems to like it so far. And in, um, in a day where the, uh, you know, the NASDAQ was off 3% um, and Latitude's not, uh, if you have a look at the chart, it's not, it hasn't performed very well since it listed. So to get, you know, that 2% is probably <coughs> more like, you know, 
more like uh, you know like a five to six percent really in a, on a normal day. But happened to announce it yesterday, for instance. So um, but look, the deal it, there has to be some consolidation in this space um, overall. Um, we're going to see rates sort of heading up, obviously, in the next year. So the, um, the credit card business and things might, um, you know, as people, you know, people deplete their savings that they've um, that they've sort of accumulated with over over these lockdown periods. That uh, you know, the credit cards start to get used a little bit more. But um, look, it it was one that obviously tried to list about three times latitude. Um, I think the I think a consolidation in the sector is a is a is a good idea overall. It's pretty saturated, particularly to buy now, pay later um, sort of space. So um, they're picking up five million customers, seventy thousand odd merchants. So um, you know, and they're expecting it to be double digit EPS accredited pretty quickly. So within say around twenty twenty three. So look, it's overall it's a good move. The market seems to like it, um, and yeah, you probably just have to. Probably just have to watch for a little while. Um, it, it's been a really solid downtrend in this stock for uh, well, pretty much since it since it listed. So uh, I'd, I'd be more uh, I'd be more wait and see to um, to see. I think it's a good thing that they're adding two with the hum directors to the board, and um, and then they'll uh, the hum um, group CEO is going to run the buy now party later. So there shouldn't be too many hiccups there. But you know they're two relatively. Um, you know, fresh companies. They're not. You know, they haven't got a huge long history. Mm. So, we're realistically, we, we'd be. You know, there's possibly a little bit of inexperience there in terms of, um, in terms of being used to uh, combining two entities. So, I definitely would just probably just wait and see for the moment. Okay, keep your powder dry at this point, Chris. Uh, does this deal make sense to you? Uh, it probably makes sense, Andrew, but it's I mean, the whole thing is pretty underwhelming to me. Let's not forget that Hum is the old Flexi Group, and Flexi Group was sort of the ugly ducking, duckling of the buy now, pay later space. That's reflected in the chart. I completely echo uh, what was Mark was just talking about in terms of the latitude chart. But if you look at the Hum chart from uh, 2013 till now, it's gone from uh, north of four dollars to ninety cents. Uh, so you're you're having a business that is struggling in latitude since it listed buying or proposing to buy the weakest potentially weakest in the buy now pay later space so it seems to me to be uh you know two struggling businesses coming together can they make a fist of it well i reckon that will be hard work they're talking about synergies of 100 million dollars uh, for the full year 2023 and synergies you know in the in the years uh, thereafter but uh it just looks this deal looks like a little bit too much hard work for me i think uh, ultimately investors can do better elsewhere all right. If you hold the stock, though, what are you doing with it? Uh, well, I think if you hold Latitude, uh, again, like Mark, you're probably you're probably just waiting and seeing. You're waiting to see if they can uh, make a good fist of it. Uh, but I would have a pretty pretty tight risk uh, measure in place to get out of it if it doesn't turn around. All right. Okay. Sounds as though you're both pretty much um, underwhelmed by both those companies mentioned. <laughs> All right, let's, uh, let's get into our, uh, our 10 stocks uh, as chosen by you. Our uh, first one is Live Hire. This one uh, brought to us by uh, Travis. And uh, it operates a cloud human resources platform focused on hiring process. Uh, has two segments, a, a, a talent community uh, and a direct sourcing business. Share price pretty much been sideways uh, recently. Uh, Chris, of course, we've got a lot of labour shortages around the company at the, at the country at the moment. So is this going to benefit the company? 
Oh, I'm not entirely convinced of that, Andrew. Um, I mean, it, it should generally. It'll be the rising tide that lifts all boats. But, you know, I had a, a pretty close look at this one yesterday and I struggle to see the company's competitive advantage. So, as you say, it is a platform that is designed to attract talent and at the same time attract companies to feed from that pool of talent. They do have some pretty impressive clients. Uh, Kane Burton, U Media, another obviously listed company, the Victorian Chamber of Commerce. Uh, ASICs, Komatsu Tractors, uh, sorry, uh, Tractors, yep. So they have attracted some pretty strong corporates uh, to that talent pool. Uh, but there's a lot of competition in this space. It sounds like they're trying to take the old recruiting process and put it online. Uh, well, that, that's going to be difficult uh, and they will have com uh, competitors, no doubt. And then the people that are going to live hire to look for a job, well, Seek is the obvious competitor there. So like I said, I struggle to see what the competitive advantage is. I mean, they do um, claim some pretty impressive stats on their website, 96% placement rate, 67% faster time to hire, and 59% reduced cost to hire, which are all impressive. Um, but again, this is a pretty hot space. Uh, and as you say, the share price has been going sideways for quite some time now, really since the start of the year. Uh, and I just don't see the next leg up. You know, they're, they're talking about the opportunity in the US. Uh, ZipRecruiter is the big company in the US that is probably already doing a lot of these sorts of things. So I'm happy to be proven wrong on this one, but I just can't see a way forward. Uh, and it doesn't excite me all that much, I'm afraid. All right, so you're pretty much avoiding it at this point. Yeah. Yeah, okay, Mark? Yeah, I tend to, tend to sort of agree with what Chris has said, really. Um, Obviously, uh, it was pretty hot when it listed um, you know, back, you know, 2017-ish um, or 2018. And, um, yeah, Australian companies don't have a great history of uh, moving to the US and, um, and, and sort of ma and making it over there. Their AGM document really just talks a hell of a lot about the addressable market in the US, etc., um, and not a hell of a lot about the, you know, the, the, the Australian market. So it's... A, almost a little bit of a defeatist um, sort of uh, underlying, <laughs> underlying message there, really. Um, it, it, you know, you can read that document and, and really drink the Kool-Aid um, and look at um, the numbers improving, et cetera. But, um, but overall, it, uh, it's not something that, um, yeah, as, as Chris said, it's been going sideways for a while now. Um, Labor thematics obviously going to be pretty key, so there, there's a there's a possibly a trading chance, sort of a, you know from a trading aspect, a bit of a chance that if the thematic really starts to heat up and those um, listed um, HR companies start to go well, well then it might it might just bring it might bring it up with it. So um, and it is fair in, in historical sense, it's sort of at the bottom of the range, but um, but overall, uh, yeah, I, I'd I'd be I'd be a little bit wary, um, because, you know, just with that general track record of um, Aussie companies moving into the US. Okay, sounds like that's an avoid from you at this point as well. That's live hire, our first stock. All right, let's move to our second one coming to us from Tammy. This is Grain Corp. Uh, now, of course, soft commodities uh, enjoying a major strengthening of price. We saw that. Certainly, well, pretty much uh, during the course of the pandemic last year, uh, that's due to attractive supply and demand dynamics. Um, Grain Corp benefiting from this um, and its supply chain origination, processing and the like. Share price doubling over 2021. Mark, do you like it? 
Yeah, look, this is one that um, I, uh, the active division, which I run, uh, recommended sort of back in um, uh, August, September, just more so looking for some defensive um, defensive names into that um, season, you know that seasonal weakness in the market. But um, I'm ex- I'm extraordinarily we're, we're we're through price target now. We're we're largely out, but. I think it's I think it's extraordinarily high up here at the moment. Um, if I was holding it, I'd be um, I'd be running a trailing stop on this. They've got um, because bumper winter crops. We've got really favourable um, weather conditions. Um, we've got drought in Canada and the US. Uh, the Australian grain proteins um, is of really high quality. So we're probably going to start to see decent um, inroads into Europe, etc. I think uh, the Italians are. I'm worried about a shortage for their, uh, you know, pasta flour and things like that <laughs> there at the moment. Um, they've got some decent interest in UMG, United Malt Group, which uh, should should really benefit from reopening. Um, and going into the agri-tech, they've got good infrastructure. I, I, look, if I'm holding it, I'm, I'm holding it with a trailing stop. Um, I, I, I couldn't bring myself to buy it up here at the moment. Um, I think you could, you could potentially get yourself into a into a lot of trouble um there's other there's other names out there that are really going to benefit from the um you know, from agriculture going well so um you know some state like elders or uh Institec pivot etc so I, I think this one's a little bit high for my likings um and looking at that chart you almost get vertigo realistically so yeah uh yeah just a hold from me okay a hold perhaps with a lighten on it yeah possibly a lot I'd, I'd definitely be trimming some here and running yeah. say 10 percent Trailing stop. Okay. Yeah, Chris. Uh, yeah, obviously it's done extremely well. Uh, is there more upside or not? I think there is a little bit more. <clears throat> pardon me. Upside, uh, Andrew. I, it's, it's, I struggle to disagree with anything uh, that Mark just said. The, the only thing for me that thinks uh, that makes me think this one can kick on a little bit longer is that uh, we of course have La Nina. Uh, in the in the Australian summer, and that will carry through to early autumn, which means uh, there'll be more moisture around, which means crop yields should continue to do well. And, and Mark spoke to it. Obviously, that uh, ABARES report and the recent upgrade in November and record wheat production uh, expected this year uh, and into next year. So, uh, you know, whilst there's all that grain around, uh, Grain Corp is the company to transport it, transport it. Uh, and store it. And there's also the potential that uh, ABES, again, uh, that's the Australian Bureau of Agricultural and Resource Economics and Sciences for anyone uh, playing at home, uh, also potential that they'll upgrade again in March uh, when they next get the chance to. So if they do that, uh, then I think uh, Grain Corp could kick on. But undoubtedly, like I said, I tend to agree with Mark. It is a bit ritzy up here. uh, And just looking at the chart, yeah, it sort of gives you a nosebleed. So um, you'd, again, probably want to have some pretty tight risk around it. Okay, but so once again, if you're holding it, do, do you offload a little as you go? Uh, no, I'm going to swing for the fences on this one, Andrew. I'll, I'll, hold, I'll hold it. <laughs> okay, all right. Take that as a hold. Good one. All right, that is Grain Corp. All right, let's move on to our, uh, our third one coming to us from Scott. This is ProPack Packaging, a beneficiary, you would think, from the commerce boom, COVID accelerating that shift to... The uh, online purchases, of course. Um, Chris, you're seeing more and more packaging, I guess, as we're buying online. So has that been a benefit to the company? And will it be ongoing? 
So I agree with that theory, Andrew, that you just laid out. When I first came across the name, when obviously you guys sent me the notes of the stocks we'd be looking at today, I thought, oh, that's probably going to be a chart that looks good. Unfortunately, it doesn't look very good at all. I was trading at around 220 in October, now trading uh, below 140, I believe it is, uh, or 150, there you go. Um, so the problem is that, yes, whilst there has been increased demand, and the company even spoke to this uh, when they put out an update in late December, whilst there has been increased demand, they are unable to fill those order orders because of labour shortages, capacity strengths, uh, and uh, they don't even have any assurances from um, from their shipping companies that the, the problems will be solved in the immediate future. And that, of course, meant that they needed to downgrade their profit before tax expectations from $7.1 million to $4 million in the first half of 2022. So that's the reason for the share price plunge. So this is a perfect example of a company of that double-edged sword where theoretically you would think uh, it's a packaging company, lots more people shipping stuff around the world and around the country, but because of the supply chain issues and the labor constraints, uh, it's ultimately being a big negative for their bottom line. So uh, if I was holding this now and I hadn't sold it already, I would sell it. Uh, there is some commentary that they'll have a better second half, but that is just the company talking about it. Obviously, you would need to see some pretty strong evidence of that being a reality uh, to pile back into this one. Yeah, that's interesting. Okay, you've slapped a sell on it. Um, Mark, would you agree with that? Uh, uh, on a time frame, in a short term, on a short term time frame, yeah, I would agree with that. Um, I, look, I, I think the thematic's pretty solid. Obviously, you've got your, you know, your Amcors and stuff. They're just, you know, market leaders there. So, I think um, they would have suffered pretty heavily by, you know, being a smaller player that they don't, you know, they don't have the scale to deal or the, or the leverage to deal with suppliers as, um, as much as what uh, Amcor, so you know, so could do. So. Look, I, I think it will probably get a little bit cheaper. Um, I, like I said, I don't mind the thematic, and I, and I do see the supply chain issues sort of starting to starting to ease and things freeing up. So, uh, I, yeah, I'd be looking for an opportunity potentially to buy. Um, it's a it's a little bit defensive, obviously, um, and it's got a decent it's got a decent yield, and that's the sort of thing I've been. I'm really not looking for. Um, you know, looking into that growth sector too much uh, for the next six months, uh, just just with stretch valuation. So, this is the sort of thing. If we do get a bit of a pullback and you can buy it down around down towards those lows, just as if it falls away, just in line with the market, it, it might be you know it might be a, a decent trade. Um, but certainly not certainly not yet. But look, it, it's I think conditions will improve, but it's um, it's probably just a watch at the moment for me. If you if you're holding it, you know you've got to. I guess you'd probably want to be a bit of a believer, <laughs> and um, I, I tend. I think you'll get. It, I think you'll definitely get it cheaper. So, I, so if you're holding it, I mean, do you hang on, or as you say, you're obviously oh, look, looking. If, you, if, you, yeah. if your time frames, if your time frames a, a year and a half um, plus, then you're probably holding on. If you're um, if you're worried about the market pulling back, I'll probably be selling some now. Yep. Okay, that's pro pack packaging. All right, I think you'll probably be aware of our fourth stock. This is Telstra. Uh, Hugh bringing this to us. Uh, in fact, uh, we look at its performance over the past 12 months, gained some 40%, and plus, of course, pays out a healthy dividend and has an ongoing share buyback program. Mark, um, of course, it always regarded as a bit of a boring stock, but actually it's, um, it's been performing quite well. 
Yeah, it has been performing quite well. Um, I think it sort of took a few people by surprise. We've been sort of scaling out over time, um, but ma- mainly just um, well due, due to the fact that we you know we're seeing we were seeing better opportunities. So um, obviously they've got their infrastructure um, sell down. Um, there's talk about them being you know being involved with the NBN. It's defensive. It's in the communications sector, which. I think for maybe the next, you know, three to six months is probably not a bad space to be in. Um, I think the, and the, the, look, the sustained rally um, of late, I think, has given investors a bit more confidence um, in Telstra and had that long stretch of just uh, of just continual decline. So management had tended to get things um, get get getting things fairly right. So look, it's a, I certainly would not buy it up here. I think you'll um, at some juncture you'll probably get. It has it tends to have a bit of a pullback at, at certain stages, so you may maybe buy a dip below like around the 390, 380 mark. Um, but uh, look, if you're holding it, I, I think it's um, it's it's well worth holding for for now. Um, but it, look, if if you're looking for growth, you'd be looking more. We're, our favourite in the communication sector is UWL um, again, which is which is quite high as it as it stands, and um, we've been long Australian broadband and things like that as well. So. Uh, which again also very high. So compared to the compared to some of those sort of decent growth names in that communication sector, even though it is up 40%, it's it's, it's underperformed some of the some of the um, the good and innovative names that have come onto the market in the last couple of years. So the um, <coughs> you know, but yeah, for me it's just a hold at this stage. Mm. Um, and, and again, probably probably something like a trail, you know, a trailing stop again. Um, but yeah, it's uh, you just don't. Well, I wouldn't be bucking in the trend on this one because I think the that defensive, um, those defensive sectors will will weather the storm fairly well. Um, if there's any correction in uh, valuations due to uh, rising interest rates. More, more broadly, I guess, Mark, as far as the telco sector is concerned, what, what's your outlook there? And I guess you know a lot of this also may well depend on where the immigration rate goes, and you're seeing that growth. I mean, obviously that's a longer term story, but you know that would be significant demand right there yeah look i yeah like, like i said i, I think um we, we're seeing a lot more you know uh sort of split work um from home and things like that it's um i basically i think communications will be it'll be fairly solid as you said as you said at the start it, you know it's not not the most unbelievably exciting stock or sector um but you know people need people need their communications their internet their um uh, their phones, etc. So mm. you know, it, it uh, whilst y- yielding fairly well, um, they, you know, I, I think it's just it's a, it's a solid part of a of a portfolio for now. Okay, all right, yeah, Chris. So obviously, it does have an attractive uh, dividend. Um, plus, I guess when we look at you know the work from home thematic, it's not going away clearly. Um, so, is Telstra one to to pick on this, or I mean, Mark's obviously mentioned others. So how are you looking at it? Yeah, so we've been holding this one since the early threes, Andrew, and I agree with Mark that uh, I'd like to pick up more at 380. I'm just not convinced that uh, we'll be given the opportunity. So probably a bit more bullish on it. Um, You know, Andy Penn reiterated last time out that the company is on track to grow earnings for the first time since 2017. Uh, Their mobile division, which is we all know is a massive driver of their earnings, uh, saw a 3.7% increase in revenues, uh, and the NBN issues are really starting to subside. And let's not forget that that was a $3.5 billion headwind, which is now almost complete. Add to that 
they have built um, some assets and their competitive advantage in regional uh, areas of Australia. And they're well ahead, well and truly ahead in terms of 5G infrastructure, you know, 4,000 mobile sites. Uh, and at the Investor Day in November, they've reaffirmed all their targets out to FY25. So if they can deliver on them, and, you know, don't get me wrong, that's always been an issue for Telstra, but if they can meet those targets that they have reiterated quite recently, uh, I think the share price can keep going a little bit longer. I wouldn't be surprised, you know, over the next 12, 18 months that this is uh, this is around $5. So, uh, you know, we'll probably be happy to hold it. Again, don't disagree with Mark, though. There's probably more exciting, more uh, growth uh, prominent names within this space. But, you know, it serves that purpose in our portfolio. As we know, it's got a reasonable yield. Uh, and I think there'll be some capital growth there as well. Okay, so you're holding it. Any particular names that you would consider, as Mark mentioned there, um, maybe United Wireless or Aussie Broadband? There's uh, there's actually nothing else uh, in the in the telco space uh, that we own, Andrew, in our portfolio. Okay. So it's, it's just Australia. Yep, fair enough. Okay, that is Telstra. I should have mentioned too, it is already in our portfolio. And given uh, both Chris and Mark have a hold on it, it stays in the portfolio. All right, to our fifth, Stock, uh, Ben, wanting to know about Wham Capital. Uh, it is a uh, listed investment uh, company, had a market cap of uh, some $2 billion. Uh, it's uh, now also um, making a bid for, um, for its Pacific Opportunities Fund, PAF. Uh, and that's a recommendation there that they've uh, accepted pretty much um, shares went nowhere really in 2021, although once again, has paid out a generous dividend. Chris, your thoughts on WAN? There's really not much more to add to what you just uh, delivered, Andrew. I mean, it's right. fit for purpose, really. It's a, a good yield, 7% per annum. Uh, the performance since uh, 99 is north of 16%, so that is fantastic. Uh, as you say, it literally opened and closed at the same price in 2021, no capital growth whatsoever. The NTA barely changed either, but that's not why you hold this one. You know, this one does what it says on the box, 7% uh, yield and a grossed up yield of around 10%. Uh, and just looking at the names that Wham Capital holds. So, you know, there's some names there, 360, for example, Aristocrat, uh, ARB, AX1, which is Accent Group, Breville Group, um, uh, PMV, Premier Investments, PEXA. You know, these are all names that we have. Uh, either have now or have had in our growth portfolio as well. Uh, so, you know, uh, just looking at the way they research stocks seems to be a parallel to, you know, some of the stocks that we hold that have done very well for us as well. So, uh, you know, I like the vehicle. I like the underlying uh, companies which the uh, which Wham Capital invests in. Um, and as long as you know what you're buying, you know, you're not expecting the share price to go from 223 to $5 and you're happy with that yield, then, as I say, it's fit, fit for purpose. All right. Yeah. So as, as you mentioned, they're pretty much matching your growth portfolio. Uh, so what, what do you do with it? Um, if you're not into it? Yeah. You can, you can well, again, if you're looking for that yield and you're not looking for capital growth and you're comfortable with that, then uh, this is a buy. Yeah. Okay. All right. Um, Mark, what are your thoughts? Yeah, look, I fairly uh, much echo uh, Chris's sort of sentiments on it. Um, one thing I, um, I'm also going to give it a buy as well. Um, is more so looking to be a touch more de um, defensive this year. One thing I look back on their, their performance from '99 through 2009, where we had sort of three odd black swan events. Um, 
they they outperform the market, and not to say that there's some you know former Black Swan event coming up, but the um, they they do, they're quite uh, agile and, and they do pretty well in markets where um, conditions change quite quickly. So with the you know with the where there being worries about inflation and there being you know obviously going back into um, a non you know zero rates environment, um, it's a fund manager that uh, you know I. I I would lean towards, or a listed investment company. I'd lean towards on the back of their their track record of um, being able to shift um, and outperform pretty well. They're um, sort of pretty similar to, uh, you know, um, a few of the uh, managed fund um, companies last year. They sort of they perhaps cashed out a little bit too early, which is why they didn't get too much capital growth. But exactly what Chris said as well. There, there's a lot of names in there. Um, in their holdings that you know we have similar that um you know that, that fit a lot of really good filters really good companies so um i think it's i think it's actually probably probably will have a better year this year in a market that potentially is a bit more range bound and not just blindly rallying um you know on the back of you know, just on a, the smell of an oily rag so um i think these more astute investors or value investors say like challenger and um and perpetual will, you know, um, will do you know, fairly well this year. All right. So, but you're saying this is perhaps the, the pick of those LICs then? Yeah. Look, I, I just I, I like the way they performed in in a in a market with with um, with shifting thematics. They, it doesn't seem that they, tra- they they tend to underperform by the looks of things when the market is sort of is on a on a fairly um, is trend is trending, but um, when when we have shifts or movements in uh, in major economic, macroeconomic thematics, they seem to they seem to be able to, to to move quite quickly and do quite well. So I think they, I think they'll do pretty well this year. Yep. Okay. Well, given you have both slapped to buy on Wham Capital, that is going in our portfolio. So well done on that front. One to consider clearly uh, if you're looking for an investment opportunity. All right, that's our first five. Let's summarise then where we've been. We began with our stock of the day, of course, which was Latitude and it's a play just as far as um, some of the assets of HUM is concerned, particularly in the buy now, pay later space, both referring to the consolidation in that space. Uh, Mark, though, saying you pretty much need to wait uh, to see how this plays out. Uh, He's got a hold. Uh, Chris pretty much reflecting that also saying has been struggling. In fact, both businesses essentially struggling. So he's got to hold on it as well. Our first pick was uh, live hire. You would think perhaps in this current environment where people are looking to hire a human resources platform be doing well. Although um, both can't really see where the opportunity is at this moment, uh, particularly with expansion into the States. So it's an avoid for both on live hire. Grain Corp. Well, look, um, we've seen soft commodities, uh, grains in particular, do very well just uh, over the past uh, year or so. Um, although Mark's saying it is well past its price target, he's got a trailing stop on it. Essentially, he's got a hold, but some a lighten uh, on the stock. Uh, Chris saying, look, it's, it's uh, clearly likely to benefit even more just as far as crop yields are concerned because of La Nina. Um, we're seeing lots of green around the country, so that's that's a benefit. So he's saying it could kick on. He's got a hold on it. ProPack packaging. Uh, look, once again, back to that uh, issue, just as far as where we're at with COVID and e-commerce, and I guess you'd expect that packaging companies would be doing well. 
Um, but Chris just pointing out some of these supply chain constraints. It's a negative. He's got to sell on it. Uh, Mark saying that thematic is solid, uh, but it's got a short term, poor short term outlook. Uh, he's looking perhaps for a pullback to get into it. So he's sort of wavering between, I guess, a hold and a sell on that stock. Telstra, uh, should mention it is already in the portfolio. Uh, it is a defensive play. Mark saying he wouldn't buy at these levels, but he does have a hold on it. Likewise for Chris, a hold. So it does stay in the portfolio. And finally there, Wham Capital. That's a certainly a positive uh, and uh, that uh, has that attractive uh, yield on it. Uh, in fact, uh, Chris saying it is pretty much reflects uh, Marcus today's growth portfolio. It's a buy and uh, Mark also agreeing there. He has a buy on Wham Capital. So that goes into the portfolio. So there are our five. All right, let's move on then to our sixth stock. And this one is Lynch Group Holdings. Uh, Tyler wanted to know about this. Now, in fact, uh, fairly tightly held. The Lynch family is, uh, in fact, cashing in on half its holding, though the offer, uh, is, I think the, the company's around 100 years old, um, but uh, it still holds close to 15% of the group. It supplies uh, flowers, bouquets, floral arrangements and the like to some of the leading supermarkets around the company, plus, plus um, Bunnings and the likes of David Jones. Uh, so, Mark, are you into flowers? Um, look, you know, if, if you want to be, if you want to do the, the right thing by the wife, uh, clearly you're buying flowers at some point, aren't you? But um, how do you feel about this company? Yeah, look, if I want to be popular at home, it's, uh, <laughs> it's the obvious choice. But um, look, it's firstly just preface this with this stock's incredibly thin um, and doesn't trade a hell of a lot of volume, so. Um, it's a fairly solid business. It, um, as you said, it's been around for forever. Um, the, the labour shortage easing is going to be a good thing for it. Um, I sort of read a few bits and pieces from analysts saying, look, that uh, supply chain issues easing could actually increase competition um, for this company. So they've sort of they've got a really solid supply um, supply chain, and they're obviously in China at the moment. Um, we're expanding over there, so. That'll be great for long-term growth. So I think at the moment they've, they've probably knocked out, a few of their competitors have been knocked out um, over this pandemic period. So look, I, it's not, I don't mind the company. I think the outlook's pretty rosy for it. Um, PE ratio is pretty good for being sort of sector comparable. Um, I, but I, I'd be, I'm pretty reluctant to get in something that you, you know, you might, you might struggle to, to get out of. Um, so look, it's if you're if you're a long term you know long term believer, then but I think there's probably better opportunities elsewhere. I don't I, I I'm really reluctant to get involved in in super thin stocks. Yep. Okay. That's uh, pretty much an avoid. But I I like your uh, your rosy outlook. That was uh, that was nice. <laughs> uh, <laughs> all right, Chris. Uh, does it have a rosy outlook enough to the point where you'd actually consider it? Oh, well, I'll tell you what, Andrew, I had, I uh, must confess, never heard of this company until uh, I saw it on the run sheet uh, for today's segment. So clearly I'm not very popular at home. Um, <laughs> but in terms of, in terms of the, you know, in terms of the opportunity, uh, you know, I, was, I was reading some, some research notes on it and, there, you know, it's probably not the company doing this, but everyone was banging on about the opportunity in China and that 
the market is 13 times the size of that in Australia and it's, you know, highly fragmented and they're trying to cut out wholesale layers and this and that and blah, blah, blah. Two companies that I've seen carry on like that, A2 Milk and TWE. Um, and look where they ha they are now. So I'm, I'm getting a bit sick and tired of companies talking about this China opportunity. I'd, I'd rather just see them deliver. Um, and they haven't been able to do that just yet. And the share price, again, looking at the last year, has really gone nowhere. So, you know, until this one starts to move, it's until it starts to deliver on that promise, uh, I don't see any reason why you would want to invest in it. And then, you know, Mark tells me that it's uh, thinly traded as well. And I 100% concur don't want to be getting into a stock which uh, you might struggle to get out of if it goes wrong or even if it goes right. So, um, yeah, this is this is an avoid for me. And right, that's two avoids then, but it doesn't mean you can't be buying flowers. Um, <laughs> certainly from anywhere, any one of those uh, supermarkets, regardless, I guess, of where they source them from. All right. Now, we've spoken about e-commerce uh, earlier, obviously, and how that's played out over the course of the pandemic. Temple and Webster, obviously one of the beneficiaries to a point. Uh, Carlos wanted to know about this one. Uh, had the tailwind there, obviously, of consumers shifting to buying from home uh, products online. Uh, in fact, are UBS thinking that it could make useful acquisitions to boost its growth potential? Now, interestingly, also, perhaps where it differs from other e-commerce in that it uh, runs a drop shopping model. Essentially, it means that uh, products are sent directly to customers by suppliers. That means faster delivery times, but also avoids it holding inventory. And we saw the issues that caused, particularly with the likes of Kogan. Chris, your thoughts? Yeah, just picking up on that point, Andrew, I, I quite like this model. Uh, you know, basically, they are just a marketplace. Uh, and, the, and the exchanging of goods and, and money, of course, runs through them, but is then done externally between the purchaser and the, and the seller. So, uh, you know, normally I'd like to see a good looking chart uh, in order for uh, me to be a, a buyer. This chart doesn't look particularly good over the last 12 months. I mean, it was a market darling there for a while. It rose from two bucks in January 2020 to $14 in October 2020. So yeah, as we can see there on the chart up on the screen now, had this incredible run and has really gone sideways since. But even though the chart doesn't look that appealing right now, I, I, I do kind of like this one. It does have a dominant position in its space. Uh, things are improving coming out of COVID, uh, out of COVID uh, and out of lockdowns. So repeat orders uh, have risen to 50%, order frequency up 7% compared to pre-COVID and the average order value is up 6%. And it will continue to benefit, as you said, Andrew, from that shift to online spending, particularly in the furniture and homewares category. So yeah, while the chart isn't screaming at me, uh, there's enough fundamentally there, I think, to like. You know, Again, I'd probably just wanna see it turn a little bit higher. It's on about $10 support at the moment, probably needs to trade up through 11 and show a little bit of bullish momentum before I can justify my, uh, my, technical, uh, my technical needs. Uh, to jump into this one. Yeah, okay, so a potential buy, but certainly not yet then. That's uh, yeah. fair enough read from you. Um, Mark, what are your thoughts there? Uh, look, it's one of these, it's a bit of a conundrum because I really like the business. Um, I agree with Chris there, that, you know, the market's only about 10% furniture online. They're doing some interesting stuff with augmented reality to be, you know to help um, to help shoppers um, 
there you know the dropship model is you know is really smart as well it just it, it just reduces a hell of a lot of risk um in terms of uh the company being caught with inventory etc um pe's at 100 though uh and i i really struggle um i'd be look i'd be selling this on stop through 10 bucks um i think um uh, it's what they, the companies with these massively elevated pe's like um I think you're going to struggle a little bit this year, just generally. Um, but, but it, it, yeah, I, I'm more. It's, it's more so the broader thematic, really. That, that you know, I, you've really got to. You can't. I don't think you're going to be able to survive on a promise of, of growth of 20% a year for the next decade. Um, justify your share price. I think there's just too, a little bit too much risk in it at the moment. Um, but like I said, having said that, I'd be any any sort of significant drop in it. I'd be it'd be certainly something I'd be I'd be having a look at because um, I, I I do like the business overall. But I think at these prices, it's it, they've they've pretty much got a, nothing's got to go wrong at all for them um, for the foreseeable future. Um, perhaps an acquisition changes that. Um, but at this stage, it's 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 and it's dropped below the 200-day moving average, which I I don't see is very favourable as well. So, like I, I wouldn't be I wouldn't be selling it, but I'd be I'd be like if it started to drift any further from here, I I'd be you know I'd be a little bit worried about it. Um, but yeah, look, I but as like I said, having said that, I I I like the business model, I like the business. It's just a little bit rich. Yeah. So I mean, but you're saying this sort of applies to its competitors as well, and that perhaps. We've seen seen the best of this, certainly as far as e-commerce is concerned, and, and obviously the, the tailwinds, as I mentioned there, across COVID. Yeah, look, I think it's sort of get, it's it's sort of at the top. It's going to be one of those years where you've got, you know, you, you've got to prove yourself. It um, when when the market's had a rally like it's had for the last eighteen months, you know, there's there's a lot of faith in you know, there being some um, tailwinds behind you when you're buying, I, and I. I think these guys will. It'll. It'll. Um, I think. I think you'll basically sort of start to see that those white hot stocks, you know, start to hit some reality. So, yeah, like I said, like the business. It's not. But I, I, at this stage, I'm not looking at stuff with PEs around these massively elevated levels. All right, that is Temple and Webster. All right, to our eighth stock, CSL Jones. Um, wanting to know, should I buy into the share purchase plan? Uh, just to explain then that uh, it's uh, recently announced an institutional placement to raise uh, more than six, six, in fact, $6.3 billion, I think, to purchase V4 Pharma uh, out of France. Um, of course, it is the global uh, biotech as a biggie on the local exchange, although has had its issues during COVID, particularly as far as that reduced foot traffic, I guess, as far as its plasma collection centres are concerned. So, Mark, you want to consider there certainly as far as this massive acquisition that it's uh, that it's making. Um, so, how is this playing out? Do you think for the business? Yeah, look, our, our um, sophisticated investors participated in the institutional raising. I'd be um, I'm more than happy to take up the um, the SPP. Um, I, I look, they they underperformed last year. They, there was probably a big opportunity for them to, you know, to really kick on, um, and they they didn't really deliver on the on the vaccines, etc. Blood plasma obviously is an, is, was another issue, but I think we'll um, obviously with the easing of all these, uh, in particularly in the US, the 
um, employment benefits and some states just have already removed them. Um, you'll sort of start to see those plasma donations increase. Uh, look, investing in ageing, um, in you know, the increase in, in liver disease and um, dialysis, etc. I think it's a really good acquisition um, overall. It, um, it is an elevated sort of PE, but this is, you know, this is a massive acquisition overall. So I, I'm really impressed with how it bounced out of, um, out of that 270, 273 area on the cap raise. Um, Cause that was what the second, I think Telstra was the only one bigger than, than, um, than that in history in Australia. And, and we managed to, to jump sort of about seven or eight percent straight out of it, which is super positive price action. Normally you would expect the market to have to, spent a lot of time digesting that sort of volume um, and it, it was pretty much three or four days and it drifted up. So, um, look, I, I'm a buyer anywhere pretty, you know, from here down to where, you know, obviously the cap raise price was around the low 270s. Um, I think in conditions, it's gone sideways for you. I think conditions will improve for it overall. And I think the um, buy for, uh, you know, I don't think you can go too far wrong investing in obesity and ageing um, from a healthcare sense and healthcare being defensive as well is sort of something we're looking to add anyway. So, um, yeah, it's a buy from me. Yep. Okay. As you're saying, uh, given the ageing demographic globally uh, makes sense in that regard. Chris, um, yeah, particularly you look at that share price. Uh, in, in fact, since the beginning of the pandemic, it sort of hasn't moved at all. No, it hasn't, Andrew, but that doesn't worry me. Again, I'd echo a lot of what Mark just said. Uh, you know, obviously, we can't give personal advice to, to Jones, but uh, I can say, like Mark said, that for our clients that hold CSL, uh, we'll be participating in the share purchase plan. So it's about the most ringing endorsement I can, I can give. Uh, I think the pandemic has shown uh, the management at CSL that having all of their eggs in one basket carries risk, even if they are the best at it. Uh, and as Mark articulated, you know, plasma collections took a big hit in the U.S. with people stuck at home. Uh, so, you know, whilst di diversifying away from CSL's core competency carries risk and has some analysts worried, the Vifor suite of products is, you know, it's very strong, strong market positions, lots of growth opportunities. And if I was going to back anyone <laughs> uh, in terms of a management team to... Uh, you know, consummate the deal and, and extract synergies and do all the things that they want to do, I'd back the CSL management team. So uh, I, again, like the deal uh, and would be a buyer as well. All right. That is interesting because it's actually not in our portfolio at the moment. So it means it goes in. That yeah, is CSL, uh, given uh, particularly where its share price is sitting right now. Okay, let's uh, move on then to... Winsome Resources. Now, it's uh, had a recent uh, IPO, in fact, spun out from Metals Tech. Now, Adam asks, uh, well, he's saying that it's, uh, its managing director has a strong record in delivering lithium projects. He says it's well-funded, has at least one, possibly three decent resources in a safe jurisdiction, low capex options to fast-track its lithium into a high-demand market. We know what's happening there. Um, and uh, he says he's acquired some shares as part of the recent spin-out. Um, his point of view, it looks like blue sky from here. Goodness, um, do you guys agree, given where its uh, share price is at the moment? Chris? I don't have a lot to add here, Andrew. Uh, Adam has seemingly summed it up, up nicely. Uh, 
the uh, the chief executive that they've just put in uh, is uh, has ex significant experience in Quebec, which is where these lithium uh, deposits are. But you know, let's not forget that this is uh, this is uh, an explorer. You know, they still need to uh, prove that they have the resources in the ground. Uh, and then we mustn't forget that it's anywhere from three to six years between uh, proving those reserves, raising capital, building a mine around it, extracting the stuff out of the ground and selling it. And the best example of that, uh, of a company that's gone on that journey recently and is really starting to hit straps is, is Liontown, which is also a lithium play. So it's in the right space. It seemingly has some decent resources worth getting after and examining more. Seems to have the right people in place. But let's not mistake this, this, uh, that this one is going to be driven by news flow and the fact that they can prove that what they think is in the ground uh, is actually in the ground. And until we get confirmation of that, uh, this one, you know, uh, probably bounces around a little bit. And, you know, that's just not a space that I want to play in. Uh, so it's an avoid for me, but not, not from the context of I think that there's anything wrong with it. Uh, it just needs a, lo a lot more water to pass under the bridge to prove to me that it's worth throwing some money at. Yeah, interesting, um, particularly, I guess, where these lithium companies have been going in, in recent times. As you've pointed out, Chris, um, we know what it's being used for and that demand. But of course, there is, I mean, there's a lot of lithium in the ground. Uh, it's just a matter of tapping it. So uh, are there any other companies you're considering in this space at the moment over Winsome? Yeah, so, so Liontown Resources, the one that I just spoke to, is one yep. that uh, myself and Henry Jennings, friend of the show uh, in particular, has uh, made quite some uh, significant money for our clients out of. Uh, and Min is the other one, Mineral Resources, which has lithium uh, in its suite of products as well. So there's two right there that uh, I would probably put ahead of Winsome uh, Resources. And again, not because there's anything wrong with this opportunity, just that they're further down the road in terms of, uh, of extracting the lithium and then, of course, selling it for a profit. Yeah, because as you say, there's that longer timeline. Mark, um, how are you looking at this at the moment? Look, I, I'd have, probably have to, I, I mean, I completely echo Chris's um, thoughts on this. Um, I, in, I sort of more, I run the more active um, sort of clients uh, at Macro and I've, I've got a day trading background as well. But, so for my, for my more active clients who, who like to um, get involved in speculative um Speculative things, it, this is one that um, has got all the good ingredients, really. It's in a really hot thematic. It's just IPO'd. So, look, there's, you know, it's probably got six months, you know, three to six months before it reports where there can be a whole range of speculations. And um, I think uh, something like, I mean, we've had, I've, we've been long um, PLS and uh, mineral resources for probably the last three or four months. And recently, sort of, we've been, we're pretty much out. I think we're completely out of PLS now. It's rallied since the 21st of December, like something like 40%, which is really, you know, it's really extreme, but that just shows you how white hot the thematic is at the moment. So it's not one for an investment for portfolio. If you, for an investing portfolio, we, we, we avoid explorers pretty much just as a general rule. Um, but, you know, for your more active uh, clients who, um, you know, it'd be, It'd be a, it's more of a trading stock, a speculative buy, because as Chris said, it will it will run on rumours and and um, and thematics and and just sort of follow the lithium price around. Look, it does have a it does have great management. There's I think three three on the board there with lithium um, mining uh, experience and a decent track record. Um, 
they've, it's hard rock lithium. It's in a really good jurisdiction in terms of uh, the US is trying to um, to really shore up strategic assets um, in terms of that um, sort of EV or battery and energy thematic. Um, so look, it's in the right spot. Um, it's not an expensive, um, hard, the hard lithium is not expensive to mine. Uh, but uh, yeah, as Chris said, it's three to six years before production. I mean, we we you know it'll it'll just basically trade on on um, on thematic and uh, for for the foreseeable future. So it's probably one for the traders rather than the investors. Yeah. Okay. So I'll call it an avoid. But I guess if you're looking for a speculative buy, then that might fit right there. Okay. Yeah. Let's uh, get to our final uh, stock. It's Servcorp. Uh, Riley wanted to know about this. It is about serviced uh, offices. Uh, you know, once again, this is about what's going on with COVID and we know the work from home thematic and how that's uh, played out. It has been uh, hit in that regard. Uh, but um, last, I think when last, its last financial results, it said when the pandemic ends, flexible workplaces uh, will be more important than ever. So, Mark... Um, yeah, just wondering how then Servcorp fits, fits into this picture, just as far as obviously there is significant pressure on, uh, on offices at the moment. How's it work for, for Servcorp? Yeah, look, it is, it is, it is a bit of a tri- uh, tricky thematic um, because I would have thought as well, just there's a little bit of a labour shortage playing into this as well. Um, I mean, I, we, it's incredibly hard to find staff at the moment. Um, and I, I guess part of the service is I've actually had personal experience with this being involved with the startup um, in the past. We've actually used Servcorp services and you get, you know, you get a nice address, you get some nice meeting rooms, et cetera. Someone, someone that answers the phone with your, with your company name. And I, I think that that sort of thing, look, if, you, if you've got more, uh, as some companies are looking to uh, reduce their, you know, their, their actual office footprint and they're struggling to find admin staff they're struggling to find you know and that or they don't want to pay up um for for that lower skilled staff i think it might play into uh Surfcorp's hands look it's got a pretty decent yield as well the price is fairly favorable overall in the long term it's got a reasonable trend um to the upside so it's sort of sitting around the 200 day moving average here at the moment um so look it's um and I, I would expect, you know, there could be improving conditions. I, I wouldn't, I, I'd be, I'd be happy to buy it here um, at the moment, just on, just on the back of the yield and, and in terms of where the price, I guess the price opportunity is. Um, so I would say that, um, I would say that, that, that the conditions are going to improve for them. Um, but that I think you need to be ready to be able to, you know, if the trend is that people are just going to start working from home a hell of a lot more or if um, mm. labour conditions start to improve, uh, I think you probably want to be swift to get out of it. All right. Okay. So a tentative buy perhaps uh, from you. Chris, yeah. your thoughts? Again, I uh, would echo a lot of what Mark just said. I, I mean, technically, I like the pullback that we've seen uh, into this 350, 360 level where there is some support. Mark just said it's around the 200 moving average. So... Uh, that makes sense. And we have seen a bit of a bounce off of uh, that level. Uh, they reaffirmed their 20, FY22 guidance in November and noting those improved conditions again that Mark was talking to. Uh, and I, I like this idea. I like this thematic moving forward uh, of flexible working spaces. Um, you know, I think the work from home 
idea and theme is intact, but is it really work from home or is it work from suitable locations that you like uh, where you have the flexibility to move in and out? Some days at home, some days in the office, some days in satellite offices, some days in head offices. Uh, I think the work environment from all of us, for all of us moving forward is going to be far, far more flexible than it ever was pre-COVID and that plays into uh, serve Corp's hands, uh, and it is undoubtedly a recovery play. It is highly leveraged uh, to improving market dynamics and lockdowns ending and mobility and uh, all of those things. Uh, so, again, I, I quite like it. Uh, I think probably label it as a tentative buy as well, uh, Andrew. All right, that's interesting. So, tentatively, goes into the portfolio <laughs> consideration <laughs> probably be the best performer over the next 12 months <laughs> yeah. well let's see shall we all right okay that brings us uh to the end let's just sum up those last five stocks uh that we explored uh lynch group uh this is about flowers and bouquets that you buy at your uh, local supermarket uh mark pretty concerned about this because it's thinly traded uh, it's all. It's also looking at expansion in China. He's got an avoid on it. Likewise, from Chris, there uh, certainly that rings alarm bells. I think for Chris, just as far as the China story, because he mentions obviously TWE and A2 Milk and what's happened in that space. Uh, Temple and Webster, um, obviously uh, beneficiary as far as e-commerce is concerned. Uh, you know, Chris likes the fact that it's just a marketplace, likes the business model. Uh, to hold, also a hold there from Mark. He likes the business, but perhaps uh, seeing challenging times ahead. CSL, the biggie, and uh, it is a buy from both, uh, particularly its uh, acquisition of V4 Pharma, um, which is a good diversity as far as both of their concerns. So it goes into the portfolio. Win some resources. Uh, once again, we do this quite a bit, these... Um, these emerging explorers, just as far as lithium is concerned, uh, it's based its business in uh, in Canada, in Quebec, and but it's an avoid from both. Although Mark's saying it is a speculative buy if, if you're wanting to to be a bit specky at this. Um, and finally, there, Servcorp. Once again, you know, I'm exploring what's going on with COVID and particularly office space. Um, Mark saying he's used it. In fact, it has a decent yield to He's got a tentative buy, as does Chris, a tentative buy on Servcorp. So shall we say it goes into the portfolio then. All right. Thanks to our experts today, Mark from Macro Capital and Chris from Marcus today. Guys, thanks very much. Thanks for having us. All right. So if you'd like us to cover any stocks that you can think of, Click us an email, the call at ausbiz.com.au or tweet us at ausbiztv. And a reminder where to find the stocks we have in the calls portfolio, you can head to ausbiz.co forward slash portfolio. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.